Take your Bible and go to John's Gospel, chapter 15. We'll read the first 10 verses. And in verse 7, I'm going to ask you to read it, only verse 7, aloud uh, with me. We're preaching in these six weeks on prayer leading up uh, to July 4, which is a Sunday this year, the 4th of July, and we're going to have a great prayer rally on that morning. We'll be opening the Word of God and then uh, praying, praying, praying for revival in the church, praying for awakening in the culture, praying for repentance in the pew uh, on that day. So uh, we're having some time of teaching about prayer. So we're in John 15. We'll preach this morning, then give an invitation. I'm going to invite you. Whatever your need, come, lay it at this altar uh, this morning, or kneel there in that pew. I'll be standing here. If you've never trusted Christ, I pray today be the day you come. Give me your hand, give Jesus your heart, and that God would save you during this service today. If you're here and need a church, you've never been baptized like these, and you've been saved and ready to do it, come. Tell me, we'll set a time, and we'll be ready. We're praying for you this morning that this would be the day uh, of your commitment time to Christ and to His church. Developing our prayer life, our prayer muscle, if you will. In John 15, we find these words from Jesus in this great discourse of chapter 14, 15, and 16. Right in the middle of it, we find these words, John 15, verse 1. Jesus is speaking and said, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. You're already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up. And they gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. Now verse 7 Please read aloud with me these words. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. Developing this prayer life, a life of intercession. Verse number 7 is where we focus today with three words that I want you to see. And I want you to get these three words. Abide, obey, and pray. Abide, obey, and pray. A life of intercession. Six times in this discourse of chapters 14, 15, 16, six times Jesus says, if you ask, 
will be done for you. John 14, verse 13. John 14, verse 14. John 15, verse 7. We've just read it right here that you read aloud. He said it again in verse 16. Then in chapter 16, you find it again in verse 23. You find it again in verse 24. You ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Jude in verse 20, is no chapter break, just one chapter in Jude, but there in that little epistle toward the end of the Bible, Jude says, but you, beloved, building yourselves up, your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, praying in the Holy Spirit. There's only one way to pray, and that's to pray in the Spirit. I'm fearful that uh, we as a church and so many of our churches become prayerless people. Prayerless churches can have sometimes great buildings, but no burden. Sometimes churches can be bold in style, but without prayer, they are cold in their service. Prayerless churches uh, have great apologetics, but very little agony in prayer. We need this movement within us. Lord, teach us to pray. If you abide in me, my words abide in you. You ask whatever you wish. And it'll be done for you to pray, to pray, to pray. So in verse number 7, I want us just to take these three words and think on them this morning. So let's look at these. If we're going to develop our faith muscle, we need these elements in our life. Number one is the word abide, abide. In these verses we've read, these 10 verses, according to the translation that you would read, it is found either nine or 10 times you find this word abide. Notice in verse four, it's found three times. You see it in verse five, you see it in verse six. You find it in our text twice in verse number seven. You find it in verse nine. You find it two times in, in verse number 10. Abide, 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 abide. What in the world is, is that little word? It is the word in the Greek New Testament, meno, M-E-N-O. It's not minnow like a fish. But meno, M-E-N-O, means to reside. It means to tarry. It means to dwell. One Greek writer said it can be translated constant residence. And I looked at that. I thought, hmm that's it. It's, it's where you live all the time. There are too many believers who have got hotel Christianity. They're just checking into the gospel station once a week for a few minutes, and then they go live their life another way. But when you abide, you are in Christ 24-7. You live in Jesus Christ. Abide in me. If you're going to be in Christ, there's some things got to be in your life. There'll be the assurance of salvation. You, you know that you know him. I, I had a text from a young college girl that has moved off from here, but she and I uh, remain friends, and we talk every now and again. When she's home, I'll see her, and she sent me a text this week, and she said to me, Pastor, how can you know if you're really saved. Hmm. Well, I text her back, 1 John 5, 13, these things are written to you that believe that you may, K-N-O-W, know that you have eternal life. I talked about some things in your life. You got sin there. If you hadn't dealt with that sin, not confessed that sin, you, you'll build a, a dam in your life where assurance does not 
Tom, how about you this morning? Let me tell you something. You'll never abide and learn to pray if you don't know for certain you're saved. Do you know for certain you're saved? Do you, do you know that you, if you don't know, if you're full of doubt, come running today to know the Lord. We're going to have vacation Bible school again this year. We didn't have it last year because of COVID, but this year we're going to do it. I'll give an invitation down at Warrington. I'll give an invitation here. We'll do those both on Thursday. Uh, 57 years ago, as a young boy, I came and trusted Christ, my Savior, in vacation Bible school. Some people say, well, can kids really know? All I know is this kid really knew. I trust him. You ever have doubts? Yeah. You ever stumbled? Yeah. You ever, yeah. But I can go to that place. I can tell you of that time and know that I know. My mother got saved in vacation Bible school. I don't know, 115, 120 years ago. I don't know when it was, but she, she's a long time ago. She got saved in vacation Bible school just like her, her little boy got saved. In, can you take me to a place and tell me? About it? Tell, friend, you must be able to know or you'll never learn to abide. Jesus gives us the greatest illustration here of this abiding in, in the first few verses. He, he says that I am the vine and uh, the Father is the vine dresser. I'm the vine, you're the branches. The branches that abide in me, they bear much fruit. But if you don't uh, bear fruit, you're cut off and you're thrown away uh, into the fire. And those that bear fruit are pruned so they can bear more fruit. And he's simply saying that uh, unless that branch abides in the vine. There's no fruit. I, I noticed it this week. This, this thing came alive to me. I, I came in through my driveway and there was like this branch this long. It had fallen out of one of the trees. It's been windy the last week or two. A lot of wind. And, and that storm going up through Louisiana, through the plains, we kind of got the tail end of it. We got a lot of wind. And all of those branches that Sally broke off and left hanging, they, they start coming down. I had some left because I have wisdom and I didn't get on my ladder with that. I just said, Lord, you're going to have to get those. I came in this, and I noticed something. Dead branches have dead leaves. But now what? The branches that are still abiding into the trunk, into the vine, if you will, they have green leaves that push off the dead leaves that fill up my gutters but they're pushed off so that more fruit can come because they are abiding in the life source and the sap runs up from that tree out to, and it pushes off those old leaves. But those old limbs that fell just had dead leaves all over them. I thought, my Lord, so many believers are that way. They just got deadness hanging. And Jesus says you're good for nothing but to be cut off and thrown in the fire. Abide in me. Live in me. Know that you know him. Study the word. Be in fellowship. Have that fellowship with the vine. You, you must stay attached. It, it's not 60 minutes a week. That's hotel Christianity. Bible abiding is a continual resident living 
in the Bible. The first word is abide, mino, abide, abide, abide. Stay attached, and it's where the life flow comes in our life. If you're not sure of your salvation today, you'll never learn to abide. Know that you know. If you need help with that, come run into the altar this day. Abide. Then secondly is to obey. Obey. He, he says in verse number 7, if you abide in me, there's abide, and my words abide in you. Here is the obedience. His words, what are his words? If those words abide in us, well, it's the commandments of God. You, you must obey the commandments. What are the commandments? Well, there are many of them in Scripture. Uh, then there's a list of ten listed in Exodus chapter 20. It begins with command number one, have no other gods before me. It ends with command number 10, you shall not covet. And there's eight others in between. You take those, you keep those. That's a good way to go at it. And you look at those 10. But Jesus boiled all of those commandments down in Matthew 22, verses 37 through 40. Listen to what he said. And he said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and foremost command. Here's the first one, love God with all your heart. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Notice verse 40 where it says on these two commandments, love God, love your neighbor. These two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. Abide in Christ and then obey the commandments. Let me ask you a couple of questions. What is it you are not obeying? What commandments? Hear me, friend, you'll, you'll never pray. You'll, you'll never exercise the prayer muscle if you're walking in disobedience to God. You don't have to guess about this. God just immediately does it. You, you saw these six people come through the baptistry. That's a step of obedience. How about you? Have you been baptized since you were saved? That's the very first step of obedience. Some of you ought to come do that today. So you say, I've never been saved. Well, then don't get baptized. You'll really get confused. Get saved first. Know the Lord. Then go there. Some of you never joined a church. You, you ought to be a part. So you ought to come be a part. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together is the manner of something. It's, you, you should love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all of you. Just love God. What is it you are not obeying? Then God tells us we're, we're to serve one another. Are, where are you serving? Are, are you serving others? Are, are you? It was many years ago. i never forget it. I'll run the camera people crazy here, but it was a man who came to join his church. And he used to sit on this back row back here, the back row of the front section. He'd sit right there. I remember when I first met him, he walked up to see me, and he said, Pastor, can I come to your church? I said, well, let me say two things. Number one, anybody's welcome, and it's not mine, <laughs> okay? Uh, I don't own it. I can't pay for it, uh, but I try to serve it and lead it, and so I think I know what you mean. I said, why do you ask that question? He said, well, I just got out of prison. And I wondered, could I come to your church? Well, now, if he'd been a bank robber, I wouldn't put him on a finance committee. 
but he was a sex offender. And he was on the sex offenders list. I said, well, sure, you can come. He said, I don't want to do anything. He said, I would never go into the children's area. I said, understand that. He said, I just want to sit on the back row. Can I do that? I said, yes, sir. He began to serve in our church a little bit among adults. and was a kind of halftime usher. And, uh, he's always laid back. He, he, I mean, just push. He just wouldn't get, you know, deep. But, but he was here, man, just here. He was here many years. And then he had to move to go be with his family as he got older. He made an appointment and he came to see me. And he walked in my office with a towel over his shoulder and a plastic bucket in his hand. And I looked funny and he sat down, and I sat there, and I said, how are you doing? He said, fine. He said, I want to ask you something. I said, yes, sir. He said, you let me come to church when I was broken, and, and I just didn't have anything to offer, and I was just out of prison, and you received me. He said, may I wash your feet? And I said, I mean, how do you say no to that? I mean, you got to be pretty arrogant. And so I sat down. And I had on shoes like I got on today, and, and he unlaced my shoes, and then he took off my socks. He stretched that towel out. He had warm water in that bucket, and he had a little bar of soap like you steal out of a hotel room. <laughs> I don't know where it came from. And he had what my grandmother would call a wash rag. And he lathered up that washcloth. And he started rubbing my foot. And then he dried it, dipped it in the bucket. And all the while he's washing my feet, he's praying out loud for me. Lord, bless the preacher. Help him. And when he got done... He's old enough to be my father. He crawled up on my knees and my lap and put his head on my shoulder. And he wet my shirt with hot tears and prayed heaven on me. And that's the last I ever saw him. He left to move a long way from here and later I heard he had died. But my life's never been the same since that man served me. Well, what would make a man come wash another man's feet? Why in the world? He understood the voice of God telling him what to do, and he turned commandment into action. Now, friend, listen to me. If you're going to obey God, you must turn commandment into action by faith is how that's done. Sometimes you'll look foolish doing that. Hmm. Sometimes people look at you like, what kind of knucklehead? I have to admit, I, thought, I don't know. 
service. Serving someone in some way. I never heard that man tell that story. The only time I've ever heard that story, I tell it. Let me tell you something about service. You don't blow your own trumpet. You let somebody else write the story. Mm -hmm. There was a woman that washed Jesus' feet. And we're still talking about her. 2,000 years. And it lives on. Obedience. Obedience. Question number one, what is it you are not obeying? You'll never be a prayer warrior till you learn to trust and obey. Well, question number two, who is it you're not loving? Hmm. Jesus said, you're going down to verse 13, greater love has no man in this, and he laid down his life for his friends. Is anybody you don't love? Well, preacher, I love them all. Some of them I don't like too much, but I, I understand. People can be tough to love. There, there's tension. But Jesus laid down his life, and let me tell you, we, we're to love God with all our heart, with all our soul, and then we're to love our neighbor as ourselves. Is there anyone that you have a smoldering hatred for? If so, you'll never be a prayer warrior. Never. You, you must learn to forgive and lay that down. You say, well, preacher, they've not asked for forgiveness. The Bible says if they have offended you, go to them. To restore, if they won't hear you, go with a friend. If they won't hear you, go to the church. You've you got to deal with your own hatred and bitterness. You're not hurting them. You just hurt you. You love God with all your heart, with all your soul. That's the first commandment. And love your neighbor. Hmm. You got any neighbors that their dogs are digging in your backyard? You, you got any neighbors that are themselves digging in your business? <laughs> well, sure we do. I got a stray dog comes to my house, I can't even find whose it is. It just runs through to eat thinking, who are these people? Friend, you hold that grudge. I'm here to tell you, you'll never be a prayer warrior. Your first prayer's got to be one of confession and ask for strength to love your neighbor as you love yourself. Abide. Secondly, we must obey. Love God with all our heart. That's the first commandment. Love our neighbor as ourselves. We're on our way to praying. After we abide, then we obey, then pray. Pray. Jesus said in verse 17, verse 7, abide in me, my words abide in you. Then ask whatever you wish and be done for you. Ask. Ask. Make the ask. Cry out, oh God. Ask. How do we pray? There are three things I want to share with you. There could be many others. First, you should pray believing. 
Pray believing. Mark 11 in verse 24 says, Therefore I say unto you all things which you pray and ask, believe that you have received them, and they will be granted you. You must pray with faith. Believe. You think of Mark 11, this verse, he always gave me trouble. For years this verse gave me trouble. Je- Jesus said, those that believe, they'll say to this mountain, be cast in a sea. We sang about it today. There's not a mountain to, and I'm thinking, what does that mean? I mean, is Jesus really wanting us all to live on a coastal plain where there are no mountains? Is that today? No. The first time I ever went to Pasadena, I sat there, I saw the San Gabriels, and I thought, is that what he said? Should I just be able to say, by faith in Jesus' name, cast into the sea? It's not far. Or to the Smokies. I love the Smokies. I'm a product of the Smoky Mountains. Tail into that Appalachian chain. That's my home. I stand there and say, oh, in Jesus' name, be ca-. No. I love that mountain. God changed my life on that mountain. Hmm. My daddy and dad, I sold the home place the first time I'd never been a part of a family to own some of that mountain. I told a lady one time, I said, it's the first time in my life that I don't own a part of the mountain. She said, oh, preacher. She said, you don't own this mountain. This mountain owns you. I said, I feel better now. Thank you. Amen. <laughs> it grips my heart. But what does he mean? Those mountains Jesus talks are the Mount of Olives. That's where he is. It's that that stands between him and deep obedience to the cross. Manly Beasley helped me with this a few years ago. I was reading. He said, this mountain is what stands between you and full obedience to God. And you must cast those demonic roadblocks called mountains into the sea so you can walk in heaven's obedience. That made so much sense to me. And we must pray believing. We got a mountain in front. We can't overcome it. Cast it into the sea. Jesus did because he got through the Mount of Olives to get to Mount Calvary. Thank God for Calvary's cross. You must pray believing, believing against those mountains of the demonic. Secondly, not only you pray believe, you pray without ceasing. First Thessalonians 5:17 says those very words. Simply pray without ceasing. Don't stop. I mean, pray all the time. Pray when you feel like it. Pray when you don't feel like it. Pray until you do feel like it. Pray. Pray every day. As you go along the way, pray. I've been reading a book by Billy Graham's pastor. My good friend Don Wilton was Billy Graham's pastor. And after Dr. Graham died, Don wrote a book because he went to visit with him. Every Saturday he went to visit Billy Graham. And he wrote this book and he said one thing he learned about Billy Graham. He said he had Bibles all over his house. And I thought, well, that's... He said they were always open. Said his daughter rebuked him one time. Said, why you got all these Bibles everywhere? He said, well, everywhere I go... I just dip a little bit of Jesus. And when I'm walking over here to get my coffee, I got to buy, I just dip a little bit of Jesus. He said, everywhere I go, I just want to make sure the Word of God's open because I'm just, he's praying without ceasing. He's reading without ceasing. 
He said, I'm just always taking a little dip of Jesus. Just a little, anywhere I go in this house, I can find just a little dip of you. And I thought to myself, that's how we're supposed to do this. Pray without ceasing. Doesn't mean you always are on your face. You can't do that. We're not all praying right now. But you can be praying right now. Man, the closer I get to invitation time every Sunday, you ought to be praying in your heart. God draw people. Pray without ceasing. It's never a wrong time to pray. We were at a dinner last night. We were hawking and talking and having fun. And something I heard my phone buzz. I looked over, flipped over. It was one of our missionaries talking about their little daughter that had got a needle into her eye. And then she rubbed it and she got poison in her eye. And she couldn't see. She was blind. She was in a hospital. And they said, would you pray for us? You know, and most of us, what we do is we say, sure, I will. And we send back a picture of those praying hands. And then we go on eating dinner. I'm as guilty as the next. But I just asked the family, I said, can we just stop right now and pray for this little girl? I just got this man. Sure, and everybody quit. And we, we just bowed our head and we prayed that God restore the sight to that little girl's eyes. He said, preacher, does that make any difference? Yes, sir. The praying knee moves the hand of God. You say, well, he's sovereign to do whatever he wants to. Well, what he wants to do is respond to our prayer life. We should pray without ceasing. His delay does not equal denial. God answers every prayer, either yes, no, or not now. Everyone. But you should pray, pray, because praying will change you more than it changes anything. Pray believing, pray without ceasing, and thirdly, James 5, 16 says, pray for one another. Therefore, confess your sins one to another. Pray for one another so that you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man accomplishes much. Pray for each other. So many of you tell me this. I'll see you. And you'll say to me, Pastor, I pray for you every day. If that's true, I'm the most blessed man in this room. I have a journal I pray through every day. Whatever day of the week's for Sunday, today's S. Tomorrow's M, I pray for missions. Tuesday is a T, I pray for tasks that are personal. Wednesday, I pray for workers, our staff. On Thursday, I pray for other tasks that are corporate to the church. On Friday, it's AF, I pray for my family. On Saturday, I pray for saints. On Sunday, I pray for sinners. I have some of your names written in there week by week as God gives me those names, and I pray for those. But a few years ago, I started something else on Sunday, and I did it this morning, and I try to do it every Sunday morning. Matter of fact, I was almost late to work this morning. I kind of got hung up. What I do is I pray around Northwest Florida for preachers. I'd write their name down. First name here, Jim, Gordon, Lonnie, Joey. My friends and others that I don't know as well. The Bible says pray for one another. Hmm. I got a text this morning. I got one a long time from my good friend in Philadelphia. 
Marshall was praying for me. And he didn't just send you, I'm praying for you. He sends this long deal with all kinds of scriptures in it. Long, he said, I'm praying all these things. And he said, I've called your personal name to the Lord. And I sent old Marshall back a word. Thank you, dear friend. Thank you for praying for me. Pray one for another. This morning, we're going to spend a few minutes praying. Here's how we're going to do it. John's going to play, and just quietly, and I'm just going to let you be seated. Just stay where you are. But if you need to come to this altar and lay a need before the Father, come. You may want to turn and just kneel in your pew, or say, preacher, how am I going to get out if they're doing it? Just step over them, or uh, you, you can get around them. It's okay. Ask them, excuse me, please. You can stand to pray, kneel, however you want to do it. If you're here without Christ, I'm going to invite you out of that balcony maybe. Down this stairwell. Come. Give me your hand. Give Jesus your heart. God will save you today. You're here to join this church. Come. Say, preacher, I believe God's put my heart with yours. We want to be a part. Then you come. You just got a burden. You just come lay it at this altar today. Whatever it might be. You just come praying. The Father's house is to be a house of prayer. And so let's take a few minutes and let's respond. Heads bowed, eyes closed.